ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Polynesian food, if it's on the table, man, we're going to eat it. You know, with that drug, you're not hungry. Yeah, I would force myself to eat. Especially if my mum was there. Because mum, you know, your mum knows how you eat. I mean, she grew up with you. And so for you to come to her house and then say that you don't want to eat anything is out of the world. So I would force myself to eat just to try and hide the fact that I'm high on drugs. Crystal meth goes by many names. Ice, shard, pee. Whatever you call it, it's got Taupe Daniel Moate in its grip. Welcome to Days Like These. I'm Father Draki. Today's story is about the rules we live by. Whether it's morals handed down by parents and pastors or the code of the street, these rules can be guardrails that keep us on the straight and narrow, or at least fool us into thinking we are. Sam Wicks reports. Known to his mates as Alfrisk, Tolpe spent a lifetime revising his code of conduct. It starts at home, when he's still knee-high. It looks like a happy family, but um, yeah, my stepdad was a um, Tahitian boxer or something. Yeah, he was real uh, controlling everything that my mum did. He watched every step. Watching my mum go to the shop, I'm behind him. She just waved at the postman or something, and she got a beat down for that. I was only like three, four, and, um, you know, he was beating me up like I was a, an adult. It seemed like it was kind of normal. Other kids were going through the same thing. I can still remember my mum asking me to grab a knife. I don't know what she wanted to do with it, but I remember thinking, nah, I'm not going to give it to her. We'll just try and figure it out another way. I kind of always felt scared, but, like, the best thing to do is just to shut your mouth. To avoid it, you know, you just keep quiet. That helped us to live by a code, you know, keeping your mouth shut when you know a little bit too much. There's one major source of stability. Alfred's nan grew up in the Pacific Island Presbyterian Church and his mum takes him to services every Sunday, whether he likes it or not. Our services were in Cook Island, so I didn't really understand. And because of the language barrier, I would always sit at the back, have those long toilet breaks, kind of what like some people do with work. <laughs> For Alfrisk, church was not about faith. It had way more to do with habit and catching up with friends. But he finds his real community in schoolyard rap battles, where his classmates trade punchlines like punches. It's there that he goes toe-to-toe with a local champ, Mareko. If you know Mareko, he can rap rap. And I remember he had lines, there were like a lot of big words, but mine were real like, do you smell like manure? I'll knock you out like David Tua. He said his one, and then I got to say mine, and then the bell rang. So you probably had another one ready that would have, you know, obliterated me. <laughs> That really ignited our passion because then after that, you know, he was asking me if um, I should start a group, if you're keen. Um, see, I was a dope rapper back at school, but I just didn't have the facilities nor the tools. See, they never that group becomes Decepticons, a four-man crew representing different corners of the Pacific. Yeah, we've got Mariko and Sav who are Samoan. 
Devolo, who is Tongan, and you got myself, who is Cook Island. Coming together with our cultural aspects, we all had similar upbringings. It probably didn't hit us how special our group was. While Decepticons might not recognise it, the music industry does. They dropped their debut in 2002, while Alfrisk is still in high school. The album impacts rap music on both sides of the Tasman and makes Decon's a household name across the Pacific. But outside of his music commitments, Alfrisk is hanging with some bad characters. My older brother, you know, he was part of a bikey gang and stuff like that, and you end up being part of these crowds. When you're in part of that environment and you're always around people that are doing it, you know, as much as you can say that you won't touch anything else, you'll end up doing it. Up to this point, he's kept his nose clean, swearing off weed and other drugs. Now out of school, he caves into peer pressure and tries crystal meth for the first time. I had the glass pipe, I lit it up, taking that first hit and it didn't really hit me straight away, but you know, it wasn't long before I started feeling a buzz. It just picks you up and yeah, it was amping. It's just like amps you up. And that's kind of like the feeling of my first hit, you know, taking ice. That hit becomes a habit. When he's on ice, Alfrisk feels the rush of wanting to do everything, say yes to everything, promising everything to everyone. But somehow, he recognises he can't. you got to hold back on some of the things, because you're amping. There's probably so much you want to do, but yeah, I kind of learned to hold back on a lot of things. And yeah, maintain was probably the big word that I always kind of lived by when I was on the gear. You're not going off track. You're sticking to what you said you were going to do, and your word is everything. With a code of conduct to keep him in check, Alfrisk still needs material for his music. Songs about hard-knock lives have always been a part of hip-hop. Alfrisk could be using his addiction as inspiration. Doing the drugs, you want to feel like you're about that life. You're involved in it, and so when you're doing the music, it's more authentic. I'd hear about other dudes, you know, doing their street thing, and then I'll be able to be like, oh, yeah, 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 I know this dude does that because I know, I've heard. But he keeps it quiet. Because while his underworld connections might give him street cred, he has a facade to maintain at home. My family was very proud of me. You know, I had to live up to that. I was travelling the world, so to say that I was doing drugs and everything like that, that would have changed the way my family looked at me. And I think that's how it is in a you know, Polynesian culture. Cook Island culture, your family is everything. When our kids don't do well, our parents wear the shame. It's 2006, and Alfrisk has got a lot on his plate. He gets married, juggling home life with tour dates. The following year, he becomes a father to a baby boy. Besides his new family, keeping up appearances with his mum is a game of smoke and mirrors. I would just come, you know, early hours in the morning and I would just park around the corner. I would stay there and then I would, you know, smoke up with my bro and then it would eventually be morning. You know, my mum would get up and then she'll see me and I'd have to try and act like I just got there and, um, you know, was having breakfast. 
As Decepticons play shows across Australasia, he holds fast to his code to get the job done. It's real important to make flights. If I knew that we had a show or something, I had to make that decision whether, you know, am I going to stay out late all night and then all the way till the morning until an interview or am I going to just say no this one time? Like, I always just had the sense, like, it'll be there tomorrow. I've got to do the work first. You know, I didn't try and jeopardise the boys. But yeah, uh, you feel this shit, put your fucking hands up. Yeah, you like this shit, put your fucking hands up. Someone that has an addiction, usually they can't turn it on and turn it off. Whereas me on tour, there's a time and a place. Yeah, I can vividly remember flushing some down the toilet. You know, I'm not flying with this. Discipline like that just stops you from getting caught. How I did that and how I was professional in that sense, it helped to hide the fact that, um, you know, I was doing drugs. Alfrisk is the definition of a high-functioning addict. But even he has limits. My body couldn't handle it. Like a lot of people, man, I would hear they would last like a week, two weeks. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe you could stay up for that long. Those kind of morals and those set of rules help so that I wouldn't get into a space where I could lose the group or lose my family. Everything's okay. My family's still here. I'm still doing the music. I'm not running from police or nothing like that. So I always felt like I had a control on everything. Decepticons member Savage is doing big numbers in America after one of his songs features in the Hollywood smash, Knocked Up. Savage has to move fast to capitalise on the movie's success, and he needs his bandmate to ride shotgun, playing hype man when he performs. If Alfrisk wants the gig, he'll need some new rules. You know, I told myself before I got there that there were certain things I wasn't going to do. I wasn't out there trying to like stay out early hours in the morning looking for stuff. You know, I would just do what I needed to do for what me and Sav had to go over there to achieve. You know, I had a role to play and that was the role that I would stick by. It's not Alfrisk's only role. Most of the other artists, they would always, you know, look at us and, you know, they'd be like, oh man, you know, there's a big dude. So that kind of worked in our favour. I would be the um, security, our security team on a budget. As they moved through the States, Alfrisk and Savage went over new audiences, many who have never even met a Pacific Islander. But when they hit the West Coast, they're back among familiar faces. In LA, it's a massive hub of Polynesians, a lot of Samoans, a lot of Tongans. You know, it was a home away from home. It was a place where you could hang out with people that you could identify with. These people were just like you. A lot of them were massive fans as well. We had a massive Polynesian community that would always come to the shows and always showed love. You know, I had guys that knew some of my songs. That made me realise how much of an impact that Four South Auckland boys had on the Polynesian community all the way over here in America. They're not the only Pacific Islanders doing it big. Alfrisk meets up with MMA superstar Ray Seffel, who's in Hollywood filming a Godzilla reboot. He wanted to take us out and and look after us. You know, I was just in awe to hang out with this K1 champion and Ray Seffel and him even being Samoan. Alfrisk might have put down the pipe for now. That doesn't mean he can't have a drink. We ended up going out to a nightclub with him. 
we got bounced from this nightclub. I think it was just to do with too many Polynesians out. That's the honest truth. Because there was a whole bunch of us. I didn't think they wanted that in the club. The night is done and he gets a lift with Ray, riding in his drop-top sports car as they cruise through Beverly Hills. They had a, like a luxury car spot where it had like all the Maybachs and the Phantoms and, and you know, him just saying that, you know, you can get something like this one day, you know? This is all achievable. It's a nice dream, but this will be his last glimpse of the big time. Back home, Decepticon's momentum is slowing and Alfrisk is back to his old ways. With his career stalling, he looks to the lucky country. Australia is like the land of milk and honey. During like the Aussie tours and stuff, you know, I was introduced to a lifestyle where I saw a lot of fancy things, cars and money and drugs and whatever. That was a lifestyle that I wanted to attain. And I wasn't getting that same joy that I used to feel from music. In 2015, Alfrisk and his family make a home in Brisbane, where his brother is already based. He even brings his mum with him. But without the pressure of making gigs on time, his habit dies hard. I was definitely trying to, you know, have a stable job, get a house, bring my family over and live like, you know, a normal life. Then it started getting to a point where, you know, you're taking days off work to support your habit or, you know, you need to sleep, you're tired. I let the kids have days off from school. I couldn't drop them off, you know, I, I didn't have the energy or couldn't be stuffed getting up. When you're on the drugs and you're doing things like that, you know, you end up breaking some of these things. And so I did have a problem. You know, I just found myself in a place where my moral standard was slipping. You know, I was breaking a lot of this moral code that I live by. The drudgery of a life away from music only compounds his addiction. And the drug has got a hole in his brother too. They both got large habits and short fuses. And they've been beefing for weeks. It comes to a head when their mum asks them to transport some small pieces of a new kitset home across town. Alfrisk is livid when his brother lets him know he's en route to score some ice for the move. People they use, they know. You just have a puff or something and you might be just chilling and next thing you know, you've tidied up the whole house. Of course, I would have, would have wanted that too. I just didn't want it at the expense of my mum finding out. He's going to expose us acting out like this. And, you know, my mum's asking me questions. Where is he? Where is he? And I know where he is. The drugs in hand his brother returns home. Alfrisk is ready to go off on him. And then he, he pulls out the pipe, kind of saying, like, hey, bro, just calm down, just take this, and then we'll go and do this move. In that moment, I had a decision to make. Do I stand up and say, nah, I don't want it. You know, you did something wrong here. Or do I take this and smoke it? And it's like, I'm smoking my dignity away. He makes his decision, taking the pipe in his hands. <sighs> Supercharged by the ice, the brothers do the move. They're both seething though, even coming to blows in a petrol station while strangers try to pull them apart. Nothing's changed the next morning as they resort to violence again. 
This time, the whole family is looking on. Yeah, before you know it, yeah, we've got two by fours and we're trying to whack each other. And then that's when my mum comes out and she's kind of had enough. Our partners and our kids outside and, you know, you got kids crying. It just looked really bad. And my mum is there and she's kind of crying. And when I'm trying to comfort my mum, she doesn't want to talk to me. Yeah, she's just had enough. She's just realised that we've painted a picture of how nice Australia is, but we've actually shown her like how ugly it looks with the way that we were acting. She looked at me as a monster as well. Yeah, at that moment I realised, man, I'm the monster. I knew that at that point I needed a change, and I needed a change fast. The brawl has shaken Alfrisk to his core. He's kept his habit hidden from his mother for years, and now everything is out in the open. Like he'd done so many times before, he puts down the pipe, this time for good. He busies his idle hands too, volunteering with the local organisation feeding the homeless. A week after the bust-up, he calls another one of his brothers for a debrief. I start to tell him about how I had a massive fight with my brother. You know, we were trying to kill each other. And at that moment, I felt like, you know, I needed to change my life. And so that's why I've stopped the drugs and everything. You never know, I might even go to church. You know, you never know, I might even give my life. Alfrisk's brother is quick with his response. Why do you got to wait until Sunday? I can help you give your life right now. Right now. Right now. I think in my mind I was thinking, like, I'd love to give my life to God, but I don't know what I'm doing. But I knew I wanted to do it, so we did a prayer about giving my life to Christ. I was talking to him and I was repeating this prayer with him. I started crying and I could feel these tears coming down my face and I could feel this massive weight coming off my shoulders. I don't know what it was. When my brother prayed that prayer over me, all the masking and the pretending and all the gang life stuff, all the guilt, all the anxiety, I didn't have to carry it anymore. Eight years on, Alfrisk remains drug-free. He's moved on from music to counselling, bringing street-level experience to his work. And while music's taken a backseat, he remains a long-serving member of Decepticons, but his faith does make him pickier about which tracks he'll lend his voice to. His sobriety aside, Alfrisk recognises the pull I still has. Sometimes he breathes in a lungful of air, and it actually tastes like he's back on the pipe. With that danger front of mind, he's working hard to stay true to a new code. There's always going to be things that are going to entice me. I just kind of hold dear to what my purpose is now. The streets was always about being honest, being loyal. I still hold the same codes of loyalty and stuff, but you know, I'm just loyal to different things now. I'm loyal to my family. I'm loyal to my purpose. I'm loyal to my calling. I still hold some of those values, but I just shine them in a different light. I want to be a living example of going through that and then being able to change. Living by the same code, but just shifting it. 
This story was produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri and Gadigal peoples, and it was reported by Sam Wicks. Our sound engineer was Hamish Camilleri. Sophie Townsend is our executive producer. Music courtesy of Alfrisk and Decepticons. And if you want more days like these stories, follow us wherever you get your podcasts or on the ABC Listen app. I'm Faz Draki. I'll see you next time when we bring you a story about the importance of doing your homework before jumping into genital piercing. I realised very quickly, holding a cork and a syringe and your dick in your hand actually makes things really difficult to actually do a piercing. So I had to really contort my penis into this weird shape so I could put the cork behind the skin and then pierce through the skin into the cork. Yes, that's right. That's next time on Days Like These. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.